Thank you for that. Hey, next week we are planning to serve Thanksgiving dinner. We're planning on having turkey and mashed potatoes and some other fixings. How many of you do you think are going to stay for that? Okay, great. Diane, do you have that countdown? Is that good? <laughs> Diane is the one fixing dinner, and so we just took a count, so Diane should be fine now. Is that? No, you understand that Diane needs you to actually sign up so she knows how much turkey to buy and how many potatoes to prepare and, and that whole thing. So, so please sign up for that. I think the sign-up sheets are in the back. And if you could also bring a pie, uh, you can buy a pie or you can make a pie, uh, but we'll, we'll serve it. We'll plate them up for us. So there's a sign-up for that as well, believe it or not, on the same sheet. So thank you. Let's see. Okay, we are meeting God in the royal mess in 1 Samuel. And it's a royal mess because the kings aren't following the Lord. And so things are messed up. That, that probably has no relationship to how things are going right now. If you watch the news, right, that things are kind of messed up because people are not following the Lord. I have one goal for today. And so if you, if you have your Bibles open to uh, 1 Samuel, I, I think 29 is what it says in the, on your handout, 29 and 30. But if you want to turn the page to chapter 30. So if you want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 30 with me, I have one goal for this message. I'm going to wait for you to get there. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. And I'll put it on the screen as well. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Here's my goal. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Here's my goal. That you would be able to replace David's name with your name. That Brendan strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That Sandy strengthened herself and the Lord her God. That you would be able to replace your name with David's name. That you would know how to find strength in the Lord. This is a very useful skill when you find yourself in an impossible situation. And I get the sense that more and more of us are going to find ourselves in impossible situations with our families or with our work or with our health. Like we are going to find ourselves in impossible situations and being able to find strength in the Lord is going to be an important life skill. It's going to be an important life skill. We'll see David in this chapter when everybody is mad at David and everybody wants to kill David. Pretty important skill to be able to find strength in the Lord when your men have picked up rocks and they're about ready to throw them at you. Pretty important skill when you go through something that even, even in hindsight you can see the benefit of, you still would never want to go through it again. To be able to strengthen yourself in the Lord. That's the goal for today. Let's pray and we'll jump in. 
Lord, I ask that you would stand in front of me while I stand in front of them. I ask that you would talk over me while I talk to them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 29 and verse 1, and this was to help me remember to relate that this is what we just sang, that God is our strength. So we're going to see how God is our strength right now. So 1 Samuel chapter 29 verse 1, now the Philistines, so we actually know where the Philistines used to live. They're on the coastal plain there, the Mediterranean Sea. You can see where they're circled on the map. This is like Israel's ancient enemies had gathered their forces at Aphek. So there's the other thing I was going to point out. Uh, the top blue, like, light blue circle is the Sea of Galilee. The bottom light blue sea circle is the Dead Sea. And you'll see, for, in order to help you keep track of where we are on the map, because we're going to isolate for smaller places on the map, I want you to be able to keep track of that. So Galilee in the north, Dead Sea in the south. They had gathered their forces at Aphek. You see that Aphek is kind of right in the middle, but closer to the Dead Sea. And it's in the northern part of the Philistine territory. And all the Israelites said it were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. And we know that at some point, Saul was encamped at Mount um, Gilboa, which is, which is right here by the, by the Green Pyramid. And the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands. It's like they're parading the troops by the Philistine generals. And David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. Why is David hanging out with the bad guys? Remember, he killed like the biggest, strongest, baddest Philistine not too long ago. Well, it was a couple chapters ago now. Chapter 17, I believe. He, he kills the biggest, strongest, baddest Philistine, and now he's pretending to be a Philistine. What's going on? Well, he's in this impossible situation where Saul was trying to kill him, and at some point he says, you know, he just kind of loses sight of God and says, i got to find a solution to this, and he leaves Israel and goes and pretends to be a Philistine and gets in tight with King Achish of the Philistines. So here he is in this impossible, like before it was impossible when Saul was chasing him, now it's triply impossible. Is that a word? Impossible times three, where there, he, is he going to say, you know what, I'm really an Israelite, and then the Philistines are going to kill him, or is he going to kill Israelites? Like there's no way, there's no way out of this. Maybe you've been in situations like there's impossible times three and there was no way out. And David and his men were passing on in the rear of, with Achish and the commanders of the Philistines said, <laughs> like they start breaking glass and pulling alarms and like this is not okay. What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, this is my boy David. Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. Like, we remembered when he killed Goliath. Are you kidding? And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back. 
We're not crazy. He can't come with us. That he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in battle he become an adversary to us. And this actually happened to the Philistines when Jonathan led the fight. And then people were like, oh, Israel's winning. I guess we will fight on Israel's side. And then they did. They're like, we remember when this happened with Jonathan. We don't want it to happen to us. Again, with David. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Like, look around. Look around, guys. Your heads would look great on a, his plate that he'd be carrying back to Saul. In fact, he did that with Goliath's head, and we don't want it to be our heads. Goliath's head was in 1757. Is this not David of whom they sing? To one another in dances, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been... It's hard to read, isn't it? <laughs> Had he been honest? No, not at all. He'd been lying. David had... Played his part as a Philistine, pretending to be a Philistine, and somehow God was just patient. As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and with me in the campaign, for I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me until this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you, so go back now and go peaceably, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. Like, God just delivered David and made the lords of the Philistines think it was their idea in God's patience. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now that I may not go and fight against my enemies of my lord the king? And you're going, which lord and which king? You know, because you still don't know what David really had in mind. And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. <laughs> Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you. And start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. Does he want them to meet, leave midday or does he want them to leave early in the morning? Early in the morning. You need to just go because you're making everybody uncomfortable. So David sent out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So we know from chapter 28, verse 4, that they start out in Shunem. And now they've gone, they've gone from Shunem down to Jezreel, where Israel is camped. They go down there for battle. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, remember that is like their home base in Philistine territory. It's right on the edge of the Philistine territory. And that would be about a 50-mile journey from Aphek. You see that up there at the top. Troops back then would march about 20 miles a day. So it would make sense that it's halfway through the third day. The Amalekites, remember, they're, the, they're, like, they're like the pirates of the ancient world. Kind of nomadic, and mostly they make their living by stealing 
and by reselling, like stealing and killing. And the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag, and they overcame Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the captive, the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And they killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. I mean, there were no bodies, right? They, they saw the, smoke, the city was a smoking ruin, but they didn't see any bodies. So they knew that their wives and children were taken captive. And David and the people who were with him, like I just want to slow down because I want you to hear it, raised their voices. Like this is not quiet. This is raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. You ever wept like that? I have. And that's a good time to look for the strength of the Lord. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voice and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahimon of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. It means crammed into a space that is too small. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. So not only, not only is his wives, are his wives taken captive, not only is his house burned, but now his boys are ready to kill him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. This is, this is where we started. Remember this? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Ephod was a way to pray. So Abathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. And David set out, and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor. You can see it there outlined in light blue. And where uh, those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, 200 stayed behind. They were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they gave him water to drink. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where, do you, where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid, like I say, they were pirates. We made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David's like, okay, you're the guy I need to talk to right now. 
And David said to him, will you come, will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hand of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Okay, let me call a timeout. Do you think it's by chance that David found the Egyptian? No, the Lord led David to the Egyptian. Do you think it's by chance that when David finds the Amalekites, they're having a party? No, it's the Lord's timing. So they're having a party because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David will end up with more than what he started with. And David struck them down from the twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped, except for 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. And David brought back all. And David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. And when David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook of Besor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. And all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given to us. Who did David give credit to for this victory? To the Lord. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays with the baggage. And they shall share alike. And he made it a statute and, all, and a rule for Israel from that day forward until this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent parts of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel, so we don't, there's going to be several of these where we don't know where the location is because they've just, the location has been lost to history. There's several of them where we know or are fairly certain that the location is. So it was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth of the Negev, in Jatir, in Eror, in Sifmoth, in Ashtimal, in Rakal, and in the cities of the Jimirlites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Horma, in Borasham, in Athak, in Hebron. So all these cities, David gets more spoiled than he had to start with, so he shares them to the people in Judah. For all the places where David and his men roamed. Okay. So what do we do with this? How does this strengthen us in the Lord? So if you're thinking, how can I strengthen myself in the Lord based on these two chapters? How? 
Well, let's talk about what we learn about God first. What do we learn about God from these two chapters? And where I would start is what these two chapters tell us is that the Lord is working even when we can't see him working. So, the Lord is at work even when we are in impossible situations. So think of the impossible situation that David was in up there in Aphek, where he is with, he, you know, he lied his way into a situation that could not last forever, where he's the bodyguard of the king of the Philistines. He put himself in this terribly impossible situation and the Lord somehow provides a way of escape. The Lord is still working even when we are in impossible situations. You ever been in an impossible situation? That looking back on, you can see how the Lord was with you and was at work during that impossible situation. This is the story that David can tell. So he's, you mean you see it up there in the north in Aphek. You also see it in, in the middle in Ziklag where David could look back and say, the Lord was at work. The Lord was working even when I didn't feel it. Remember that in chapter 30, <clears throat> verse 4? Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. And David will look back and say, that time when I was weeping and I had no more strength to weep, I was out of breath and tired from weeping. God was working even then. When have, you, when have you been there? When you couldn't see how God was working, you, you just couldn't. You couldn't feel that God was working. You couldn't see that God was working. It's just that all seemed lost. And you may be there now, and let me just tell you, God is still working. God is working his plan. He's working his plan in impossible situations. We learned that in Aphek. He's working his plan when all seems lost. We learned that in Ziklag. And he's working his plan even when we, we get the results, maybe, that were better than we'd ever hoped. So David goes and he saves everyone there is to save. The Amalekites didn't kill anybody. God, David saved everyone he wanted to save. He also got more spoil than he started with. He's able to give that stuff away. It will clear the path for him to become king. But I still have to think he wouldn't have picked it. Even looking back, even on the other side of it, he'd say, I wouldn't want to go through that again. I can see God's hand in it, but I would not want to repeat that season. You ever been there? 
Yeah. Okay, so, so this, is, this is the big idea about God that gives us strength, that God is still working, even when we can't see it, even when our situation looks entirely impossible, even when we've been through something we would never want to go through again, God is still working. So here's the question, how can we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? How can we do that? You're never going to believe this. But I've got three ways. <laughs> How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? Well, first, there's a city that isn't mentioned that David spent some time at. I mean, did you know you know it's that long list where you know we pointed out all the places that David gave aid to? Is there a place where David stayed that wasn't listed as one of the places that he gave the spoils to? And that place was Ziph. Why would he not give anything to Ziph? <laughs> You're laughing because you know, right? Right, because Ziph at one point was in this terribly desperate spot because the Philistines were there and they were going to pillage and kill and the bad guys were surrounding Ziph and, and David finds out about it. So David asks the Lord, should I go down and help? The Lord says, yep. So David goes down, saves Ziph. He's staying at Ziph. You know, his men are getting a shower they're eating a burger. They're finally in civilization after being out in the wilderness forever. And they're like, they're just getting cleaned up and rested up and they're feeling okay about life again. And then Saul gets wind that David is in Ziph. And so Saul, David knows that Saul knows. And so David inquires of the Lord, is he going to come down? The Lord says, yep, he's going to come down. And he says, are the people of Ziph going to hand me over? And the Lord says, yep, they're going to hand you over. And so David has to tell his boys to gear up because they're going back out in the wilderness to live off the land. And so David gears up and goes back in the wilderness to live off the land. And David is just so tired and so discouraged that no one is trustworthy. That he can't even trust people he just helped. You remember what happens? Let's go back there. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 23. I just told you the story of 1 Samuel chapter 23. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 15. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. So he goes out in the wilderness around Ziph to live off the land. And he's so tired and discouraged. In verse 16, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in the Lord. And in Ziph, God used Jonathan to teach David how to find his strength in God. So when David got to Ziklag, and all seemed lost, and David was all alone, his men were going to stone him, he remembered the lesson he learned from Jonathan about how God is trustworthy, and what God says comes true, and he strengthens his hand in the Lord by, when he's by himself. So God used Ziph to prepare him for Ziklag. And so what I'm telling you is, there are times when you need to remember your lessons. 
When you need to look back and remember how God has been faithful to you in the past and believe that he will be faithful to you again. When have you been strengthened by other people? And you're thinking, okay, I learned that from them. Now how do I need to do this and look to the Lord? Because they're not here right now. Like Jonathan wasn't there to help him this time. You may be in Ziff now, where someone is helping you now through a really bad situation. And I'd encourage you, learn the lesson well, because Ziklag may be coming down the pipe. Remember your lessons. Remember God's faithfulness. How to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Well, you can look back at the past and see God's past faithfulness and remember your lessons that you learned then. In the present, so you think of, think of what happened at Ziklag here. So David, David is back here at Ziklag, and uh, the city is a smoking ruin, and he stays there for two days. I don't know why he stays there for two days, but maybe it's because he's just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. He's just, you know, he knows the Philistines and Israel are fighting. And he's just, maybe he's just at Ziklag to try to rebuild and reboot. But if you turn the page with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Saul, because we'll read about Saul dying in chapter 31. When David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, that's the story we just read about. David remained two days in Ziklag. And on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell on the ground and paid him homage. And he'll relate to him the story of Saul dying. The thing that I'd want you to take from this is that Saul was a long, bad season in David's life. But he was a season. But he did come to an end. See, Saul was a season, but God is eternal. This may give you strength as you think of like, you might be in a really, really hard season right now. But it's a season. It is not eternal. Whatever you're going through, you will not take it with you into heaven. It is temporary. God is eternal. Whoever it is that is bothering you, whoever it is that is persecuting you or attacking you, they're not going to do that in heaven. It is temporary. You know, from Aphek, we can remember... Are that God rescues us from impossible situations. From Ziklag, we can remember that Saul is temporary, that God, God will last longer than them, or it, or whatever it is. You know, the other place that 
that is significant here is Hebron. So in chapter 30, verse 30, the last place mentioned, I'm sorry, verse 31, um, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed, Hebron is the last one mentioned. It's at Hebron that David will be finally anointed king. You can see that in chapter 2 of 2 Samuel. So if you turn the page back to 2 Samuel, if you're in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verse 3, and David uh, brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they all lived in towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. It finally happened. See, what happens at Hebron is David is finally anointed king. This was the promise that God made to David back in chapter 16. And God has kept his promise to David. It may help you as, as you think about how do I find strength in the Lord when I'm going through what I'm going through. It may help you to remember that God keeps his promises. That God is as good as his word. That God will come through and do what he said he would do. It may help you to think of like, this didn't happen immediately for David and so I shouldn't expect it to happen immediately for me. But God will keep his promises. You know, God is showing up committed to his promises. This is what we're about to celebrate with Christmas. That God is showing up committed to keeping his promises. That he is walking among us committed to keeping his promises. That he is dying on the cross for our sins committed to keeping his promises. That he is rising from the dead committed to keeping his promises. And so we have eternal hope that he will keep his promises. We have the hope laid out for us in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. Where we read, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. God will keep that promise. So strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord because this is the only way to live beyond yourself. This is the only way to make it through some of the stuff that God sets in front of us. Strengthen yourself in the Lord because of his past faithfulness, because of his present help, and because of his future promises. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we would find strength in you this day because of your past faithfulness, because of your present help, and because of your future promises. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.